There's a Steven in my podcast. It's a show called Dead and Lovely. There's a Steven on my podcast. Let him out so he can breathe. Shakira! <laughs> Shakira! You good with that? Yeah, that's awesome. Shakira, Shakira! I, I totally legitimately like jam that song all the fucking time. And so we were going to see a, uh, a movie tonight. My wife, my wife and I. You and your wife. We were driving around the parking garage, and I was like, "Hey, go to Spotify. I really want to. I really wanted to hear Curse of the Pharaohs by Merciful Fate, uh-huh. <laughs> which is fucking awesome. Do you know that song? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> I liked that it ended with Shakira. <laughs> I mean, have you ever heard any Merciful Fate or King Diamond song? Uh, I've heard King Diamond. Then you've Merciful heard it. Fate. You heard okay. it. <laughs> okay, so it just sounds like that. Yeah, so I requested that, and instead, she put on She-Wolf by Shakira, and I was like, you know what? I'm on board. This is good. Yeah, I mean, who has a problem with Shakira? Of all things, we know her hips don't lie, and most people's hips lie. Like, you look people in their hips, and those motherfuckers are telling lies. I hear that some people out there are trying to build a wall around them hips. I say thee nay. I say thee nay. <laughs> How you been doing out there in them Hollywood Hills this week, Steve? Man, I've been great. Um, it's been cold as shit, uh, but I still, my wife and I still refuse to turn on the uh, gas heat. Mm-mm, no. Because here's the thing is you turn it on and then like two days later, it's hot as shit outside, but you have this pilot light going, which is constantly emitting a little bit of heat. It's a fire in your house. It's a fire in your house, right? Exactly. (laughs) We didn't start the fire. It was always burning (laughs) since the world's been turning. (laughs) And it's making the house goddamn stuffy. It is. It does make it stuffy. And so like we just decided this year not to even like light our pilot light and then um it's been cold as shit the past week so uh, once again dude you know for the second week in a row tennessee is the reigning warmth championship it's currently <laughs> like it's you know it's one in the morning as i record this but it's still like 60 65 outside i'm wearing flip-flops Ooh. i got the wind i got the winders open wow are there like crickets outside and no shit? there's not oh, there's okay. not they are not quite that out yet but yeah. dude it's it's so fucking nice, dude, that you should probably just consider fucking moving back to East Tennessee. Well, Ben, let me tell you something. You've convinced me. That's it? Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, this is no joke. My wife and I will be moving back to Knoxville, Tennessee for a couple of years. Hell and yeah. My, my wife is going to be going to school, and I am going to make sure that one of my movies gets made by making it myself. Fuck yeah. I yeah. am way into that, man. Yeah. I'm really excited about it. We've done, of course, a couple of Dead and, Dead and Live episodes, which were a lot yeah. of fun. And that's just going to be the new format starting, I guess, probably with our, our next episode, which I'm really, yeah. really, really excited mm-hmm. to do, man. Because it's always more fun interacting and inhaling each other's musk and so on. <laughs> the musk is the most helpful part. Because, oh, like, dude. here's the thing I've noticed about when you're in a conversation. Um, it's helpful to see the person's face to know how they're reacting. Yes. But most important is to smell them. 
Oh, yeah. Like, what's going on? Absolutely so. I smell some trouble. <laughs> <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. It'll be a lot of fun, man, yeah. just to get to fucking hang out and chill. And we can even watch these flicks together and hold hands. Whole, and- oh, yeah, well, the holding hands, is that's the important part. I'm not the most excited to move back to a uh, conservative country. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, uh, we are moving from a place that just... Uh, started a $15 minimum wage to a wow. place that still pays half that. Actually, wow. less than half that. We're moving from a place where you can, you know, my wife uh, has insurance where she can actually go to the pussy doctor mm-hmm. and have her pussy checked out. It's good. It's important. And even get birth control. Oh. No, 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 dude. If you get that stuff, you can't be pumping out more fucking Christian babies, dude. That's not good. Oh, that's true. God damn. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, but yeah, we're we're a little worried about that part, but we are excited to see old friends, and it is a beautiful area and so much good food in Knoxville. So we're excited for that. And I'll tell you, man. I mean, even since even since you moved away, Knoxville has really come such a long way of becoming a much yeah. cooler, much more laid back, much more liberal city and stuff, man, dude. Like the. The gay pride march and the women's march yeah. and stuff like that was like really popping and stuff these past few years. Well, and, and the way the University of Tennessee campus responded to the white supremacist rally oh, was yeah. amazing. They really went at it and like, you know, instead of uh, instead of being confrontational with them, just uh, providing alternative events that were about inclusivity and about you know, uh, you know, embracing uh, differences and things like that. Like, yeah. I think the University of Tennessee did a good job with that because that is exactly what they want when they have these events. They want they want clashes. They want to be able to show in the news that those are violent liberals. Totally, because no news is fucking bad advertisement. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So the fact that, that mostly only people from the area know about how they actually dealt with that white supremacist rally is, is great. I mean... Hell yeah. Nobody cares. Everybody's just like, oh, right. I mean, you. we don't have to have an epic, violent battle with them. All we have to do is ignore them uh, and and create laws and, and create uh, regulations that eliminate their power. Yeah. Like, we, don't, we don't have to pay attention to their stupid ideas. Fuck no. It has been one of the most frustrating things in the world to me over the past year to watch friends on Facebook talk about how we need to listen to everyone and, and stuff like that and it's like no no we don't some people don't have good ideas <laughs> i know and, and dude it's like it's it's so weird because we draw lines around certain things like that where yeah you see people say yeah oh we need to listen to everybody's point of view blah 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 but it's like once you reach the point of like how about kid touchers it's like okay no no well well they we, would they say no i mean at this Roy point Moore, i don't even fucking know Roy yeah more barely Christ, lost yeah yeah you're, you're right about that dude yeah but, you know it's like we we have these things where like i think we all agreed the nazis were the bad guys they're the bad guys in like yeah all the Jan- uh, uh fucking indiana jones movies and stuff like uh-huh. they're the bad guys in so many video games they're the bad guys in so many movies like, yeah i thought that we'd all kind of come to an agreement about that and then they're like oh we should listen. It's like, mm, I don't think so. You know, maybe they have different ideas this time. Maybe their ideas no. don't include taking over the government slowly and then 
killing people. Maybe. Yeah. Even though they say exclusively, specifically, <laughs> that yeah. that's what they want to do. Yeah. If you do listen to them, then those are the words they're saying. But, exactly. Uh, and the danger there does not come in listening to alternative points of view and stuff like that. The danger there, that, but because, yeah. you know, that, again, you know, First Amendment, everybody's a freedom of speech and so on. The problem is, is tolerating intolerance. That in itself yeah. is the most gigantic problem yeah. that we face with shit like that. Tolerating intolerance. You're allowing it to continue and be like, okay, yeah, people that are intolerant of other people just because they're black or whatever, uh, we're okay with that as a society. You have you have an equal right to say that. Like that's, you know what I'm saying? It's like that's, that's the problem. Yeah. Well, Steve, I'll tell you what. I've had myself a... A very busy week, man. It's it, it's been it's been kind of my year so far. As we record this, we're just kind of yeah at been the very tail end of February. It's been nuts, dude. I just spent a couple of days in in Nashville, Tennessee, working on mixing and stuff like this for this this new record that me and mixing like yeah. you're a DJ now. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm over there scritchity scratching. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, it's pretty tight. Uh, the money's mm-hmm. great. Uh, that sounds good, yeah. But I'm playing bass on this new uh, record from the Kennedy Wood Band, which is, features my oh, yeah. man, Andy Wood, and my great buddy, Dave Kennedy, on vocals, and Andy Campbell on drums. And it's kind of a kind of a blues rock, southern kind of band sort of thing. Really, really excited about it. I think it has great, great commercial potential, and the, the tunes are really good. Awesome. So we were working on mixing that and stuff for a couple of days, and then... Uh, just got back from that yesterday morning, and then I'm going to Atlanta tomorrow to see old Eric Johnson, one of the best guitar players ever, play a concert, which okay. I'm really excited about. But dude, I was thinking about it this year, and it's like, okay, usually around this time of year, I'm like struggling to find anything to do. Like usually boredom yeah, is a right problem. Yeah, right now is a bad time of year. But dude, this this year, I, I think so far... I have already had to learn about 70 songs. Damn. Yeah, just for various different gigs and stuff that I've been working on and recording and yada yada. It's like, it has been so non... I mean, that's that's almost a song every day. <laughs> it's like every other day, <laughs> yes. new song to learn. That's crazy. Yeah, it's been awesome though, man. I, I love it because especially this time of year, man... You know, when like the holidays are over and you're kind of just waiting for the weather to start getting good again, and usually there's not much to do. This is usually when the the seasonal affective disorder that plagues my existence really starts hitting me. I usually get like really bored and bummed out around this time of year. Yeah. So this has actually been like the best medicine, surpassing even laughter. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay, so we know like an apple is strong enough to keep you from having to go to the doctor sure laughter though is the best medicine so that'll i guess keep you going without pain yeah but you're saying this is even better medicine yeah as far as i can tell man holy shit i haven't been to the doctor this year (laughs) so there is that is that because you don't need to go to the doctor or because you can't afford to yes (laughs) it is both (laughs) (laughs) you've been watching anything cool lately Oh man, have I? I've watched um, I've watched Black Panther this morning. Oh hell yes, which I which just got awesome. back from seeing. Yeah, and we're gonna talk about it in a little bit. Faux show, um, because uh, yeah, uh, there's a, there's a lot to say there. But other <laughs> things I've been doing, um, I I haven't actually been watching a whole lot, but I have been. Um, I've listened to a couple of 
podcast episodes with um, guest Stephanie Whittles Wax, who is the sister of one of my uh, heroes in some way, mm. Harris Whittles. Mm -hmm. Harris Whittles is a comedian who overdosed on heroin a couple of years ago. Ooh. Actually, two two years ago, uh, a few days ago. Um, I didn't want to mention it last episode. Didn't want to bring down the podcast, but now nah, I, I don't care. It's important to me. He, he was a real big inspiration for me. Yeah. And actually, like, I had some interactions with him before I moved out here and was really hoping to get to work with him. And then, uh, you know, he, the guy, honestly, if you, if you, listen to his, his sister talk about him if you know anything about him you listen to him on comedy bang bang or any other podcast or he was also a writer on parks and rec and mm. what played harris on parks and rec okay who was one of the animal control guys who were always stoned um <laughs> if you if you check him out you'll know he was a very happy guy uh he he didn't get into heroin because he was depressed he got into heroin because he he loved drugs That'll um, do it. And yeah, and that'll do it. And then, uh, you know, it, it's an addiction and he, he kept trying to beat it and then eventually just OD'd. And it's, it's super sad because he was really young. I believe he was 30 when he died. His, his legacy is, I don't know. It's, I, I think it's really strong. Like if you, if you listen to a lot of, uh, comedy podcasts and things you'll still hear people mention his name like regularly it's a pretty yeah. common thing you'll hear so um I, i'm just gonna go ahead and recommend i haven't read the book but stephanie whittles wax uh she's written a book about dealing with the loss of harris and how her family has dealt with it and how like how addiction just crosses boundaries and, yeah. and hurts people so I'm going to go ahead and recommend, without having read it, uh, Everything is Horrible and Wonderful by Stephanie Whittles Wax. And just read it. I guarantee you it's good. She, I read the essay that sort of sparked what became the book. Mm -hmm. um, just look her up. You'll you'll find that essay. But she she's uh, real intelligent, real entertaining, real funny. I guarantee the book's going to be good. Just check it out. It comes out this week. So right on. Give man. it a shot. Steve, let me tell you, I watched myself a little flick yesterday mm -hmm. that I want to mention here because we actually talked about it very briefly on our last show. I finally went and watched myself a Thor Ragnarok. <laughs> it Ragnarokked. Holy it shit. <laughs> oh my god, do you remember? When the uh, episode one of Star Wars came out, or no, uh, episode two of Star Wars came out after y the Yoda fight was in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there was a commercial where they, it was like a preview of Attack of the Clones, but they cornered this like neck beardy Star Wars fan and he said, all I can say is Yoda demand. Oh God, was that on a commercial? It was. It was on commercial. Oh. Anyway, so what you just said—that <laughs> that, yeah, perfect. That should I should <laughs> hang out with that guy. Is what you're saying? Yeah, that would be awesome. I bet that guy's a fun guy. 
That's so awesome. Yeah, dude, Thor was fucking awesome. I so wish that I would have seen it in the theater. I had so much fun watching that flick, man. It was seriously a delight. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, my wife and I watched it in the theater together. So funny, so fun. Like, um, it really just has a much lighter tone than any of the other Marvel movies. Even even Ant-Man. Like, Ant-Man has a light tone, but, like, Thor Ragnarok is set on a green screen planet that is just ridiculous. Like, it, it, yeah. it is beyond um absurd at certain points and chris hemsworth is so funny like he and mark ruffalo really play well together totally they absolutely do man and oh, i love all the little blooms great in it too oh dude fucking gold he's great in everything dude yeah he was awesome i loved i think like one of my favorite parts of the whole fucking movie was uh korg who is voiced by korg Tico, T- yeah. yeah yeah exactly and He's like that big rock monster guy, and he's just so like nonchalant and super kiwi, like yeah, so kiwi about everything. Oh my god, I fucking lo- I want like him to have a movie of his own right there. Yeah, obviously there should like I guess that would be like Marvel Phase Five. They'll yeah. get to the Korg movie. And who is his little buddy? He's like he's an insect creature with blades for hands, like that little dude, whatever oh, his god. name was. He was awesome, man. He just kind of. He, he really was. Um, he carried around because he thought he was dead, but he wasn't. Yeah, and the, there's like a, <laughs> there's a couple of rock paper scissors jokes in yeah, there. Yeah, totally. That's really funny to me. Like, I, I, I like a lot of topical humor can be funny, but topical humor can also like just lose its humorous value in a day. Oh, totally. Uh, but a rock paper scissors joke. That lasts, I don't know, 150 years. Yeah, maybe. That's so lame before that people it's awesome. forget. What, yeah, four people forget what rock paper scissors are. <laughs> yeah, Tessa Thompson is great as Valkyrie. Hell yeah! I think I said um, whenever I had watched it that Kate Blanchett is super sexy in it, and I still stand by that. She is hot, dude. And I can totally back what you're saying right now. Like. We were watching that flick, and, you know, usually you see Kate Blanchett, and she's, like, super blonde and super... Mm-hmm. Yeah, she, she's elvish-looking. She's so perfect in Lord of the Rings because of that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but in this movie, she's got, Galadriel. like, the long, dark hair and stuff, and, like, she's she's kind of gothed out a little bit and stuff, too. Yeah. We're sitting yeah. to watch this movie, and I, I turn to Kate, and I'm like, is she supposed to be really hot, or do I just, like, the pale, I- dark-haired, evil women... I don't know if she's supposed to be really hot, but she is really hot. God, dude, I know. Way to go. I like a pale, dark-haired, evil woman. That's just my type. And she plays with the humor of it. Like, she's a perfect Hela, because that's the thing about Hela in the comics or any other representation of her is that she is sardonic. And, like, I mean, she she is death, you know? She is... She... She has a humor about everything, but it's uh, a very morose humor, mm-hmm. and and she plays it perfectly. Like she does so great in it. I know, man, and I love seeing fucking bones from Star Trek in there. <laughs> yes, god damn it, I am so like they they did a great job with that. By the way, the executioner, yes. like he his story is much deeper and i wish they hadn't sort of killed him off immediately that is a problem that marvel has of killing off all their great villains that is a gigantic problem and it it is in like nearly all their movies and that's something that me and um me and andy were talking about on the way to nashville and stuff it's like marvel 
You know, the only weak thing I can say about the MCU stuff is that there are very few super strong, long-lasting villains. Like, Loki yeah. is easily the best one. Easily. Yeah, absolutely. Loki is the best. Um, I guess you still Zemo is still around. He's not dead. He's in prison. Yeah, but he's kind of like, eh, he's okay, I guess. Yeah, he wasn't that great. Like, he, that movie really didn't focus much on him. I loved uh, fucking Kurt Russell as Ego. He did an awesome job. Oh, yeah. But, again, he's dead now, yeah, I guess. Yeah, he's a goner. Actually, though, I would believe he's not dead because he is... Uh, kind of uh, a god the yeah. eternals yeah like he's, he's probably still around i really did enjoy very much in spider-man homecoming fucking uh you know batman as vulture yeah oh my god michael so keaton. good michael keaton's so good and yeah. he, he didn't die he's in he's in jail because he ran into like yeah. scorpion and stuff which is a real cool touch that's the thing with spider-man is you can't kill any of those villains that no. is his constant thing is his villains are getting together to try to kill him like killing off one of his villains would i don't know that would, that would just seem ridiculous but they have killed they killed off a lot of villains that it would seem like they need to be around and they fucked up mandarin so yeah i would like to see a clear shot at mandarin dude i really 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 would yeah. but dude it's it's kind of at the point now where like and this it's kind of funny this is going to be kind of a marvel heavy episode considering that <laughs> yeah. yeah we just both saw black <laughs> panther and now we're talking about thor and stuff too but I'm just kind of getting like more and more frustrated with these companies like um, is it Fox that still owns some of the licenses like X-Men and Venom yeah. and shit? Yeah. I'm just getting more and more frustrated with them adamantly hanging on to these properties when they know, dude, they have to know that MCU will make a better version of those fucking movies than they will. They have to know. Well, yeah, but that, I mean, it's competition. It's it's business. They don't want them to make a better version. But I, I think the, currently Fox is in the works trying to sell off the their Marvel properties back to Marvel. Sony is the real issue. Because um, yeah. we have that Venom movie coming out soon, which is with Tom Hardy, and I love Tom Hardy. And I'll be honest with you, Venom is a pretty lame character unless we're talking about the uh, Agent Venom version. Now, see, I've always liked a, I've always liked the Venom. Like, I love the uh, like Maximum Carnage storyline with Carnage. Oh yeah, and Maximum Venom Carnage was great. Hell, the, yeah. If they if they did that as like a spider-man movie that would be awesome did you ever read the venom solo comic where he was like going out of his mind and shit yeah and i'm assuming that's kind of what this is focusing on is his experience like going out of his mind it's gonna be terrible dude like i know i saw a ton of people as soon as that trailer came out that were just so stoked about it and stuff and i'm like i don't know man that movie looks like it could be about literally anything like i think the most the most important thing they did with that trailer is not show the early cg but it's also scary because yeah. we don't know what it might look like <laughs> i know because it could look so bad and i do honestly yeah. like casting tom hardy as eddie brock that's that's actually probably who I would have cast. I mean, that, that's a that's a good bit of casting. But it's like we know it's not going to interact with Spider-Man. It's not going to interact no. with the Homecoming universe. There is no, no. tie-in to Peter Parker, nothing. Like, what's the fucking point, dude? Like, they totally, totally, totally should do a, a um, Spider-Man Homecoming universe movie where he gets the black suit, you know, the symbiote suit. Oh, absolutely. I think they can still do that because yeah. technically they have the they have the go ahead from Sony to use Spider Man and the Spider Man symbiote is is not Venom technically I mean Venom is the symbiote 
Yeah, but, but on 80 Like, you, you could still parse that as intellectual property where it's just a black suit and not necessarily Venom. Venom. Right, right. Yeah. By name, Venom. Yeah. I would like to see that. I, I would honestly just I hope that the Venom movie with Tom Hardy is good and that uh, Sony sells that property further to MCU and they bring in Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's awesome. Yeah, <laughs> fuck yeah, him. he's awesome, yeah, dude. he's great. And I just really want to see MCU get to take a crack at an X-Men movie. I, you know, yeah. There's been a couple of decent X-Men flicks, especially the, those past few I think have been pretty... Well, yeah. I mean, the, the, the Apocalypse one was, was good. weird. Yeah, the Apocalypse one was not so good. But yeah, Days no, of Future Apocalypse Past was awesome. Great. Uh, X-Men First Class was... I liked it. Entertaining. Yeah. I don't think it was the best of... Like, they could have... They used a whole lot of villains, but didn't really use them. Totally. Was a problem I had with that. But it was it was still entertaining and good. And James McAvoy did a great job. Because, like, it's like, how can you replace Patrick Stewart as uh, Professor X? It yeah. seems impossible. But James perfect. McAvoy is great. And then Michael Fassbender is amazing. Like he is. They did they did a great job with that. So But I want to see Disney money behind it, you know? Yeah, but I also think about movies like Deadpool. If if the Disney owned in Marvel Studios had the Deadpool property, we wouldn't have that great R rated Deadpool movie. It's totally true. It's very, so, very true. Yeah, that that's yeah. I don't know though, like I would rather see the competition be between the Marvel Cinematic Universe and the DC EU. Like I, I would rather see the competition be between these comic book companies and not between different uh properties in the comic book company. Yeah. Like exactly. I don't want to see X Men. I do want to see X Men versus Avengers, but yeah. I don't want to see the X Men uh movies having to compete with the avengers movies exactly yeah we're on the same team man <laughs> <laughs> well i'll tell you what steve this is our final installment um for our month of february here in the show where we are covering specifically horror movies where the black person does not die in the end as a way yeah, to celebrate yeah. black history month and um you know usually usually with these shows we try to do kind of a, a preamble sort of topic here that is somehow correlated with the flick of choice. Um, uh-huh. But it just seems appropriate, considering Black History Month has been kind of the theme for the entire month of February yep. here, that we spend a little bit of time before our review portion of the show here, and we talk about Black Panther, as we both just saw Hell it today. Yes. I'm excited, because that was, man, go ahead and say, it was a great fucking movie. It was awesome. I loved it. I loved it. It was really, really awesome, man. I did enjoy it. And it's one of those ones that, like, I did kind of try to limit any exposure that I had as far as like Oh yeah, I didn't reviews. watch anything. Yeah, yeah. Or like reading people's reviews or anything like that. Like I just saw a couple, you know, Facebook posts and stuff of people being like, "Yeah, it's really mm. good" and stuff like that. So, I tried to go in pretty pretty dry. Is that your experience too? Yeah, the only thing I did do is um I watch a uh internet show called Hot Ones on the First We Feast Complex Media mm-hmm. channel. Um, it is uh, a host called Sean Evans who is seriously one of the best interviewers of all time. Like he's wow. amazing. And throughout the show, they're eating progressively hotter uh, wings. So <laughs> awesome. you watch, yeah. So you watch the celebrity go from oh that's tasty to yeah that's pretty good and a little bit hot to oh my god my mouth's on fire to oh there are six more. 
while they're being interviewed <laughs> while they're being interviewed so like he asks these sort of softball questions at the first the opening and then the questions get more and more in depth as he goes and so what's happening is their walls are breaking down and they're just answering completely honestly such great interviews that's pretty badass i gotta see that yeah and he, he did an interview with michael b jordan and you know they talked about his his role as killmonger and, and seriously watching the interview made me even more excited to see the movie and made me a huge michael b jordan fan because that dude is, is he awesome he's great he's awesome like i mean uh i don't i don't know like personally if he's awesome but like just him talking about his process and stuff yeah and and the way he comes off he comes off as a real like serious actor who really gets into his roles and stuff like i already liked him from creed and stuff but um he and from the wire <laughs> he that's like one of his first roles is oh, wow. as wallace on the wire and that is like it was an amazing role for a 12 year old the way that he pulls that off is amazing Damn. but um uh, yeah i really just watching that interview i was like more excited to go see it and yeah. just it surpassed my expectations i agree with that too man i agree too because yeah again people have been kind of hyping it up and stuff like that i still wasn't really sure what i was getting into but it did exceed expectation and i gotta say like it's a um it's a pretty amazing thing to see you know, within within our lifetimes, of course, obviously we've seen the first black president and stuff like that. But yeah, it's pretty awesome to see a movie like this that is just smashing so many records. Like it's the highest grossing yeah. flick by a black director ever, I think. Right? Ever? <laughs> yeah. God, crazy. And and we'll be talking about that later with Get Out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Jordan Peele, like their records there, but like it's yeah, it's surpassed all the other records it is um it is really just uh it is heavy on black actors and actresses absolutely but it, it like the thing is it is the perfect like reversal of every other movie where mm, there how do you mean one where there are one to two black characters ah yeah everyone else is white they were uh Kate was telling me she was watching an interview with uh, Martin Freeman. Yeah. And, the, you know, the interview is like, what was it like a lot of times on these sets where you were the only white guy uh -huh. on the set in a lot of these scenes? And he was like, well, I just kind of thought to myself, this must be what it's like to be a black actor. Exactly. That's exactly what it already does. Ryan yep. Coogler already does that uh, from the get-go. He already sets you in the mindset and puts you at at that understanding of being the 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 one who is uncomfortable mm -hmm. um and what like what it's done is great it's it's brought out black audiences it's brought out people who want to go to movies but don't feel represented absolutely uh, and and like it's amazing it's awesome and beyond that like let's <laughs> let's not I, I don't want because this is a problem we'll talk about uh with critics of get out but just critics of this movie in general too is that they're saying that we're all saying this movie is great because of its social implications no but this movie is great because it's a good movie it, like i was i was absolutely throughout at times and this was a little embarrassing. I, th I go sometimes to early movies because I think there's not going to be that many people there. 
and I respond to movies as I'm watching them. Yeah. So, <laughs> like, there were a lot of people there, and I was responding and and like it's involuntary just like oh like there were so many moments <laughs> where i was like fucking yes like that was awesome um it was a little embarrassing but like you know other other people weren't as involved at 10 in the morning but <laughs> our theater was packed too dude like we actually got there to see a 745 showing and we showed up around yeah maybe seven and the 745 was already sold out and That's they crazy. I know. And then the crazy thing is What is, is it? That, it's two weeks in, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Jesus. And they bumped a they bumped some other movie and created a seven fifty showing in one of the other theaters. <laughs> I think they bumped like that ten fifteen to Paris or whatever it's called. Okay. Yeah, the Clint Eastwood movie. Yeah. And so they Why bumped Why don't you go that. yell at a chair, you old man? <laughs> and so they bumped something else and created a seven fifty and it ended up sold, selling out too after we got our tickets. Like the theater was packed, dude. Yeah. And uh and dude, it was is one of those things, man, where it, it seems it seems even cheesy to kind of talk about, but it's like on the way into the theater, like walking by the the marquee and stuff outside on the brick wall, it's like you know, we passed by like a black mom that was there with like her two girls and she was taking awesome. a picture standing in front of the poster and stuff. Dude, that's so cool. And, and it's one of those things, dude, and I'll, I'll cover it just to 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 cover our bases. Uh-huh. Black Panther is not the black, first black hero that's been in a movie. Of course, we've had Blade and stuff no, like that. Blade, yeah. Absolutely. We, we had beyond that. We had uh, the brother from another planet. We had Blank Man. Like, I mean, those were supposed to be somewhat comedic, but those were also like attempts at comic book movies yeah but then at the same time it's like for a lot of a lot of young people you gotta think dude like to us blade seems like it's like a pretty fresh movie that shit came out like fucking 15 years ago yeah it did to a lot of kids this is their first time seeing somebody that represents them as a hero on the screen and then it's awesome too that the first time that they see it as kids it's also just smashing records and selling out shows and stuff like that. That's just, that's badass, and that's the kind of thing that shows that you can fucking be anything, do anything. Yeah. Um, in this in this country, you know, it, it's wonderful to see that kind of inspiration. Yeah, we need more positivity. The thing, the yeah. thing that I'm always like amazed by is how people can. I mean, I'm glad when people are negative about intolerance. Yeah. But how people can swallow other negativity so easily like let's just not do it anymore like yeah fuck it like we we need to be happier there's so much negativity in the world let's like let's be negative about the things that we need to be negative about and let's have a positive mindset about everything else like we have this feeling of absolute powerlessness like the majority of people voted for a different candidate and the candidate that they didn't vote for was our nightmare yeah and he is being nightmarish and you would expect at some point that his own party would break with him but they won't and so like there there there's every reason to be angry and sad like we we need more positivity we need more movies like black panther yeah that uh, address issues like head on. This movie addresses issues straightforward, head on. But 
is also a fun movie and uplifting in the end. Yeah. And to me, ultimately, at the end of the day, it's, it's all about representation, which is something that you were talking yes. about on one of our other yeah. episodes this month. It's like the problem isn't that the black dude dies in horror movies. It's like typically, no. you know, a, yeah, a black dude might die in a horror flick, but then also like 15 white dudes also die in the horror flick. Yeah. The problem is that there's only black dude in the movie. It's like, yeah. if you look at just statistics of... The different races of people and stuff that live in America. Uh-huh. Why not represent them as they actually are? Like African Americans make up thirteen percent of the population. That sounds yeah. low to some of you, I'm sure, but thirteen percent is a lot of fucking people. That's a lot of fucking people, man. And it's just incredible that sometimes it takes that long to get representation. I mean, if mm-hmm. I, I mean, dude, it's like fucking women are fifty one percent of our population and yet, yeah and we, how many of them are yeah. represented in like our lawmaking and like how can you be offices? the majority how can you be the majority and still be fucking held down it's the it's saddest insane. goddamn thing yeah, yeah it's, it's ridiculous and and we all have to work to make sure that that fucking changes but no doubt uh, man. one of the main ways we can do that is representation we yep. need more strong women characters uh, i'll i'll call out marvel for this for sure there should have been a black widow movie already oh yeah like, absolutely so it, it should have already already happened like the the fact that red sparrow have you seen the preview for that did that come yeah, on before yeah. but mm-hmm. uh, the fact that red sparrow is coming out which is obviously a black widow movie totally is it, I, I i'm not mad at the people who made it the people who made it probably thought there should be a Black Widow movie. Yeah, here's Marvel's Red not Sparrow. Doing it. Let's do it. Yeah, <laughs> and speaking too of like strong black, uh, strong women and stuff too, man. Holy shit, the women in Black Panther were yes. bad as fuck. Oh my god, they were god. the best part of the movie, dude. Absolutely the best part of the movie, one hundred percent. I mean, by far, because uh, I mean Chadwick Boseman is is amazing as Black Panther. Like yeah. he is perfect. Yeah, but he's gone for a large portion of the movie. He is. And, and it doesn't it doesn't drop off it does no slack there the women pick up the 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 gauntlet and fucking move with it dude the uh the kind of warrior women the bald women that are like his bodyguards and yes. stuff holy shit they were so bad ass man like every time they got on on screen and started kicking ass i was like holy fuck this is so savage, man. It was awesome. <laughs> it really is. Denai Guerrero, who plays Michonne in The Walking Dead, is amazing. She's like the head of security. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o is his uh, ex, I yeah. guess, yeah, who yeah. is a spy and also fucking badass. Super badass. His little sister, man, is fucking awesome. She's like the technological... She's like the, the Q of this movie. Yes, she is absolutely the Q of this movie, and she, um, in the comics, is also black a Black Panther. Like, she... Oh, really? Yeah, at times takes up the mantle of Black Panther, and she is sincerely a bad ass in the, the comics. They kind of... They kind of uh, rounded off some of the edges to make her more like a Q, and they got Letitia Wright to play her, and she is so cute. Yeah, it's adorable. She just, she plays it with such, like, I, I would say it's like, because she's the little sister of T'Challa in, in the movies, in the comics she's not, but in the movies she's the little sister of T'Challa, and she plays it with that little sisterly type totally. of vibe to it. It's real fun. Some of the action scenes and stuff were... 
really killer. The car chase scenes and stuff like that especially were really, really, really badass. The fight scenes were killer. And it's cool, too, because they even went to apparently great extents to base the martial arts and stuff that they're using on actual, like, African fighting styles. Yeah, the design... Like, this is a real cool thing in, like... We had that resurgence of 90s fashion, but it, the things that didn't come back were cross colors and uh, a lot of Africa imagery and, and clothes, sure, which yeah. were real big in the 90s. Totally. And, and I don't think 90s clothing should come back, but I was just like watching this. I was like, yeah, why when we had that 90s resurgence, did we not see more cross colors and like yeah. Malcolm X wear and shit actually the fact that Malcolm X is almost completely dropped out of uh, uh it's not dropped out of black identity but dropped out of our our lens the white lens on black identity is one of the saddest things in the world to me because right Malcolm yeah. X is so fucking important it's all Martin Luther King to us now and Martin Luther yeah. King is very important but we also Obviously. need we need the other side. We need the, yeah, let's, you know, peaceful, blah, 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 etc. but let's take our rights. And that's exactly what you get in Black Panther. You get... I was going to say, yeah, yeah, absolutely You get so. the Martin Luther King and the Malcolm X side, and what you get in the end is a mixture. You get T'Challa learns from Eric Killmonger that he, he needs to take action. They can't sit back. They can't be passive anymore. They have yeah. to take real world action. And I'm not going to spoil nothing about the ending of the movie or anything since it's so new, but dude, Killmonger's speech at the end of the oh movie. Oh my God. Shit. Holy fuck. I, I, I absolutely, I vocally said, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah. I was just like, damn. <laughs> like that, I know, dude. That was, it, it, it's, it's important to hear. But it's harsh. It's hard to hear. It's like, God ah, damn, yeah, you're right. You're right. Yeah. But, dude, it's like at the same time, it's one of those things that, like, I just always want to remind people who are just like, oh, man, fucking Disney. Mickey Mouse owns these comic movies. Now they're going to suck and they're going to take any chances and be risky and yada yada. It's like, listen, did you listen to that fucking speech? Yeah. Are you still worried about Disney not taking chances on these movies? Because that was hard as fuck. <laughs> well, the thing is, they were pretending they wanted Disney to take chances, but the response to The Last Jedi lets you know exactly how many chances they wanted Disney to take, which <laughs> yeah, is really. zero. They, zero, none. Yeah, they wanted it to be exactly the thing they always get. They want yeah. their tendies. <laughs> but I thought that was really, really amazing and a super... Oh, man, really bold thing for them to put yeah. in that flick, man. It was real, like... Like, that's the thing I loved about it, because, like, I don't know, I, I'm pretty sure someone has made this comparison and I've read it, but it is in my head, I don't know who said it, that uh, this is basically the first Thor in some ways, where we're mm -hmm. in introduced to Valhalla, we're introduced to, like, all these, the Rainbow Bridge and things like that, we're introduced to yeah. his world, and he is in conflict with Midgard, our world, and that that's mm -hmm. exactly what's going on here. And the first Thor is very Shakespearean in a lot of ways, and this is a Shakespearean movie. What this that's does true. is make the first Thor movie look like shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> like makes, a demo. I mean, the first Thor movie is fine. Nobody ever thought it was great, but no. it makes it look like shit because it's just like, no, god damn, like, 
this could have been so much better. This is how you do it well. <laughs> like, yeah, this is how you introduce a new universe and a yeah. new set of characters, a new set of rules and stuff like that. Yeah, and also the thing about Wakanda is it's almost entirely CGI, which at points was a little irritating to me. But it's true. It's true, man. There was there was a ton of fucking CGI. In but the it's the same with uh, Thor Ragnarok. Like that entire yeah, totally. planet is CGI. Like the Hulk is CGI. There's very little that is real most of the time. Dead and lovely listeners, beware! There be spoilers here out for about two minutes. So if you don't want anything spoiled about Black Panther, advance forward on this podcast around two or three minutes, and you should be safe. I really enjoyed Black Panther. I would totally love to see more from that universe and more from those characters. I thought that they were all yeah. very endearing and very memorable. That was the problem I did have with uh, the fact that the killed claw. Uh, we're going to spoiler alert this, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay, good. They killed claw, which is sad. Andy, Andy Circus, Circus was awesome. He was so Dude. good. He was so good. And maybe he's not dead. Maybe they'll figure out some way he's not dead. Hopefully. Uh, they killed Killmonger, which he's like, fuck, he was such a good villain. Like, but I, they, there's no way you could have that final speech without killing him. So no, uh, again, uh, I get that, but they also like sort of neutered M'Baku, who is a white gorilla who, yeah, he, he has our, like I can't remember what his name is in the comics. Is it White Ape or something like that? Yeah, or yeah. He's called like the Ape yeah. Man or something like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Mbaku. They sort of neuter him, but also it, it adds depth to Wakanda. So they could have a future one where it's more political intrigue, and because like they they definitely had that with Daniel Kaluuya's character, and like they definitely showed some political intrigue so they could have a future sort of political intrigue episode or yeah. uh, sequel or they could have one where he faces off with you know some of his other enemies but they're they're even less popular than claw and killmonger most of them did you see the stinger with bucky at the end of it yes of course i did yeah i stayed for the entire thing yeah um, totally that actually is is perfect because it is a good juxtaposition of Killmonger and Bucky, where Killmonger is could have been brought into the fold. He could have been brought back to Wakanda, and he could have become, you know, a, a you know a strong Wakandan leader. Um, but he he was left out and semi brainwashed by the the military to become this killer. Which is yeah. exactly what Bucky is. Like Bucky was a good person and could have been this great person, but the Nazis got a hold of him and made him uh, this this killer. So I, I liked that they they threw Bucky in there at the end. I think so, man. Yeah, I'm really, I really dug it. I would definitely see it again, and, oh, and like I said, definitely see more sequels and stuff to it like that. And again, I'm just so happy to see that kind of representation i mean like i said in theaters there are so many like black kids and stuff like that that you could tell were just yeah. loving every second of it because it's Hell finally yeah. their turn to be on screen and shit and well it's fine yeah you finally have somebody you can dress yeah. up as for halloween like there you go exactly, i know that yeah. i know that sounds like trite but come on to kids that's the thing dude like uh, imagine this white people uh, think about this. You think, what am I going to be for Halloween? It's so hard to choose. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, you have like a million options. Think about this for black people. 
What am I going to be for Halloween? A white character, probably? Yeah. Like, like there, there aren't as many people to choose from. It, it is... It, it is endemic of an actual issue that that black people aren't represented in movies that much or or in media in general. So uh, this is great. This is awesome, and we need more. We need more of yeah. it. Well, and hopefully it'll inf- it'll inspire Marvel to make a fucking movie with a woman as the hero. Like that's Hell that's yeah. one thing. That's the one thing that DC has whipped the pants off of Marvel with. Wonder Woman was the shit. Think about this, Marvel. You go ahead and make your X-Men movie first, then you make your Storm movie, and then you have Storm and Black Panther when they get married and she becomes his queen. Oh, because, dude, the Storm as, like, the African queen was the coolest Storm. Like, that where she's worshipped as, like, a goddess and shit. That's the shit. I mean, punk rock Storm is cool, but, yeah, African queen Storm is the best. And, Mm -hmm. of course, most people know white-haired... I talk like this storm. <laughs> I'm Oprah. Like she <laughs> That's the way she talks in the the 90s <laughs> totally. X-Men movie where she's basically Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> she's basically Oprah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, by the awesome. way, uh, Oprah probably can command the weather and I'm fine Oh, that's with what that. I thought you meant. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought you meant by that. Um, so yeah, uh, go see Black Panther. (laughs) By the way, if you skipped the spoilers, that's probably where we picked up with go see Black Panther. And I'm sorry that this episode isn't as long as it would normally be for you. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'll, I'll stop the spoiler edit right at basically storm is Oprah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) She'd be like, what the fuck did I miss? (laughs) What now? (laughs) Yeah, that's perfect. No, that's perfect. (laughs) well the main subject of our show today is going to be get out which seems like a perfect closer to our black history month here 100 percent a perfect closer and uh this this is coming out two days after the or no four days after the one year anniversary of get out coming out you know theatrically like it, it it premiered at sundance i think in january but it came out worldwide um january or february 24th of 2017 i remember we saw it in the theaters and it was one that like i didn't know much about yeah Um, i think this was even before i kind of got into like key and peel and stuff like that so i don't even think i knew anything about this movie but i think kate had um seen a bunch of stuff about it and she's like no we have to go see this movie we're going to see this movie i'm like okay so we went and saw it in the theaters and again i knew nothing about it i knew that it was a racially toned horror movie yeah that's about all that i knew and I was really, really impressed by it whenever I saw it in the theaters the first time, which I guess would have been right at a year ago. And then I actually hadn't seen it again until, I don't know, I guess like maybe four or five days ago whenever I watched it again. And Uh I'll tell you what, man, like I actually think I liked it even more this time. Yeah, it is better uh, after having seen it one time to, to go back, you start to recognize like what's going on a little better. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Did, did you see it in theaters and stuff when it came out? I did not. Actually, I was a big Key and Peele fan. And when I heard that Key, <laughs> that, uh, <laughs> that Jordan, Jordan Peele, I, when I heard that Jordan Peele was making, I'm embarrassed. I, I, here's the embarrassing thing. I heard Jordan Peele was making horror movie called get out and i thought oh he's making like a parody horror movie that's sad 
Yeah. Like I thought, oh, okay. like, he's, gotcha. yeah. he's too funny for that. Like he, it's obvious he's he's got too much going on for that. And so I didn't really pay any attention. Well, even when I heard the title "Get Out," I was thinking, oh, like Amityville, like Get Out. Yeah, I yeah. thought it was going to be a a parody of Amityville horror, like those type of horror movies, and I was like, oh, that sad like you could do so much better than that totally yeah um and so i didn't pay much attention to it for a while and then like it came out and i started hearing great things about it but just didn't have time to go see it in the theaters and the the second i could go see it i did and god damn like like as soon as it it starts i was like okay this is this is serious. Like, this is a real yeah. serious horror movie. Like, there is comedy throughout, obviously, but this is a serious fucking horror movie, and it, it just engrosses you almost immediately. Like, okay, some dude in a, I, I think it's a white Porsche, and yeah. in a, a weird mask and leather suit is kidnapping black men. What is going yeah. on here? Like, it, it's... It is engrossing immediately and just gets better and better as it goes. I know. I totally, totally agree, man. And even that opening image, it's like you almost forget about that for a while uh-huh. um, afterwards. And then I honestly only really started making sense of this shit like after the second time that I watched it where, yeah, well, you know, you, you see the knight's helmet that that guy is wearing in the car and stuff later on. I don't know. It's yeah. one of those. That and just, you, you it, see it the car and him. you're like, oh, yeah, that's, yeah. The, that's that car. Yeah. And you see the guy who got kidnapped. (laughs) Yeah, that too. Which, again, I didn't notice until the second time that I saw it, actually. Really, really, really fucking cool. And it's awesome, too, to see that this is such a... I mean, the the word that came to mind is competent, but it's beyond competent. Such an excellent horror movie by by a first-time horror director. I really hope that he returns to the genre and does a whole lot more stuff in it he is he is currently uh, one of the producers on um a show that's coming out on hbo called lovecraft country which is based on a novel that is about uh a black kid and his family it it's essentially this mashup of uh lovecraft's work with the racism in the u.s during the jim crow era which is exactly which is exactly when lovecraft's work was coming out and lovecraft was extremely racist racist. like yeah we we've talked about our admiration for for his uh his His work his creativity but he he was so racist and oh yeah uh, don't support that in the least bit what an ass but so that that mashup seems i have not read the novel but i the idea that Jordan Peele is producing uh, this show is really interesting to me. Yeah, that sounds really cool. I'll definitely got to be on the lookout for that, man. And this movie, too, it, it had a lot of critical acclaim, too, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yes. It, it had it has a 99% on Rotten Tomatoes. Jeez. I'm going to just go ahead and <laughs> say that the person, one of the only people... I actually think the only person who is uh, counted into the Rotten Tomatoes score, he had a negative review of the movie. And okay, here, let me just talk about him for a second. Hit not, me. I don't want to mention his name because I don't want people to give him any sort of like traffic. Was it Voldemort? Yeah, he's he who must not be named. No. <laughs> 
His name is Armand White. He is a troll. Like, he, he works for National Review, which is a conservative, uh, glossy toilet paper factory. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> they call it a magazine, but it's for wiping yeah. your ass when there's nothing else to wipe your ass Totally. With. Yeah. And he, here are some of the movies that he has negatively reviewed, Ben. The Dark Knight. Okay. There Will Be Blood. And okay. Up. Up. <laughs> ben, Up. He didn't like Up. Here are some of the okay. movies he has positively reviewed. G.I. Joe. The Rise of Cobra. What? <laughs> Jonah Hex. <laughs> Grown Ups. No. And I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Where's his Paul Blart Mall Cop review? What's he got to say about I that? I bet he's got positive things. Further, he said, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. He's a better gay themed film than Brokeback Mountain. Oh my God. This guy is awesome. Now, here's where it really turns. He sucks. Here's where it really turns, and here's where it becomes problematic. Armand White is a black man. Oh, what? Yeah. He's a a conservative film critic who is a black man. Has he had the coagula process enacted on him? Yes. That's exactly what happened. There's no goddamn way other, other than him just being like, ha, 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 I love watching others suffer. Uh, yeah, what is going on there? It makes no fucking sense. That is incredible. But that, that, I mean, it is a, it is a further evidence that th- this is the problem sometimes with white racists is they'll be like, I have a black friend, and everybody dismisses that immediately. Like, <laughs> your right. black friend yeah, knows yeah. you're racist. No, sometimes they have a black friend who encourages their racism. This is a, a very common thing in the South. That you'll have that black friend who's like, yeah, say the N word, no problem. Like, oh man, and it's just like, uh, it's true. What is going on? Like, why, (laughs) why are you supporting this? But it also becomes the refuge of racists. Where like, oh, I have a black friend who doesn't have a problem with it. Yeah, therefore it must be okay with everybody. Yeah, but I mean, I understand sometimes. what must be the issue is just like I just want friends. I don't want to be. I don't want to deal with my race anymore. If they say racist shit, I'm just gonna overlook it. I won't even care. But like, I, yeah, you know, it, it's gotta hurt. It's not good. And 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 the idea that this guy is out there just specifically trolling movies that are, you know, beneficial to, uh other minorities lgbtq causes like things like that it's just like why why are you doing this and and so i've started thinking about it and maybe in my mind i started thinking like okay maybe he really just doesn't like these movies because like isn't it racist of me to assume that a black critic should like get out maybe i don't know yeah and he makes this point further he makes the point that what he says unfortunately about black panther is that people are uh responding positively to it because they don't want to be perceived as racist Mm. and that's where that's where sometimes you're like you're that's where a troll can cut you deep and be like is that true right but i saw the movie i saw the movie and i i think they're right 
I think that it is a great movie. Yeah. And that's that's interesting. That kind of that kind of reaction stuff too is also something that I think is very deeply covered in in this movie yeah. as well. And that's one of the things that I really like about this flick is like yeah. You know, ultimately, if you asked anybody to sum up what this movie is, they'd say it's a horror movie about racism, right? Mm. And the interesting thing about that is, though, is typically when you say that and knowing that the main character is a black guy and stuff like this, you kind of assume that it is going to go along the lines of Backwoods Hillbilly KKK Redneck, right? Yeah, that's what you would expect. Yeah, that's what you would expect is like, I don't know. Uh, instead of Allison Williams, they have, uh, what's, uh, the blonde chick from My Name is Earl? They, Reese they ha- Witherspoon. No, <laughs> but Reese Witherspoon <laughs> would work. Instead, it should yeah, be amazing. Yeah, Reese Witherspoon, and she's like, no, my parents gonna love you. They gonna my be- chin. Yeah, lit my chin. Um, <laughs> like, no, no, my, no, my parents, they're gonna love you. They're just gonna eat you up. And then the premise is that they're cannibals. Like, yeah. like it yeah, would just exactly. be simple and stupid. But instead, no, you have this seemingly liberal, rich white family who are totally, articulate. Man. They're all educated and they're it's the a problem. Different kind. It's a different kind of racism than what you perceive. And I'll tell you, man, too, it's like, again, on the subject of representation, like, I'm so glad to see it represented that racism isn't just a Southern thing because I'm, I'm telling you, man, like in the age that we live in, it's, I've heard everywhere, dude. And it's like, I heard people say, you know, Oh, you know, Obama being elected as president, that it, that means the end of racism. Yeah. No, it's fucking not at all. Not even remotely close. Yeah. And I'll tell you, dude, living in the South, I have seen so much unbearably racist, ignorant, uh-huh. just human filth in my life i can't even well, elaborate on it man it was it was it's unreal the kind of yeah. shit that we've seen around here but i'll tell you too it's not just around here like no it's not racism exists all over the fucking country it exists and, in southern california it exists yeah, dude. it exists 20 minutes away from me yeah like 20 minutes it exists in my building i can guarantee that like they're racist everywhere and, and Dude, they're I'm telling racist you, man. saying they aren't racist and, and yeah. living a life where they're pretending to not be racist and they're coming out now. Like, that's the thing Trump did for them. Oh, is yeah. Make it yeah, respectable justified. to be racist yep. again. Yeah, it's like, oh, that's what I've been thinking this whole time. I guess I was right. Yeah, he. Fuck, he, man. This is, I'm stealing this from the X Files, but it's perfect. Uh, he's the compliment to their cowardice. Wow. Yeah. Like, he, he is, he is what they wish they could be yeah and it's real sad it's everywhere and it's very real so and and it's the kind of thing that i feel like again the typical dumb redneck kkk piece of shit is kind of the standby racist character in all of media and stuff which it's an it's low-hanging fruit those guys are all fucking morons yeah 100 percent but it's nice to see too that this movie is representing that yeah it's not always just them it is the super super nice affluent white people that uh i think this is one of the main themes of the movie it's like the, their fetishization yeah of black people and black culture as is actually keeping racism very alive because that's the interesting thing about this movie dude is like when you go back through it 
you know, and and really watch it and pay attention to it, there's actually nothing negative said about black people. Like there's no, no. dropping of the N word. There's no mention of slaves or being um, you know, insuperior or anything like that. There's nothing of that in this movie whatsoever. But they are still just possessions to these people. Even though these people aren't calling them the N-word or or setting them to work, you know, on their plantations or some shit like this, they are still just treating them like possessions. Well, that brings me to our hard look at ourselves segment. It's a segment I just created. Um, So some have called this film a satire on those who consider themselves to be allies of movements against racism yet do more harm than good. So does our Black History Month theme make us a part of the problem? Oh shit. I hope not. Okay. I I wrote three pages about this. (laughs) Uh, Here's what I will boil this down to. If you think white people talking about black representation in a positive light is virtue signaling or... You might be a redneck. You probably are a goddamn redneck. <laughs> but, or you think it is uh, us maybe trying to cash in on the big bucks of Black History Month. I, I can see how you would think this is a complex issue. Yeah. I'll tell you how this is a simple issue. The people who said that this is a film that is a satire on basically uh, vocal liberals. Mm -hmm. I looked up who those people are. I looked at their, their articles. I looked at their faces. They're all not black. (laughs) The person who made this movie, Jordan Peele, said, The real thing at hand here is slavery. Mm. The central focus and theme of this is slavery. Are there right. are there problems with the fact that liberals hide behind liberal agendas to perhaps pretend to be not racist? Maybe. Mm-hmm. But... Is that the problem at hand? No. The problem at hand is slavery. The problem mm. at hand is continued slavery. It is right. it is a continued control of black bodies. Yeah. And and that's a big issue that I kind of came away from this with too, where it's like, you know, later on in the movie, like whenever all the white people show up for the for the party, for the gathering and stuff like this. Yeah. None of them are looking at him with this attitude of like, oh, you know, it's a dude. Uh, here, hey, what's here's up? this insuperior, you know, being for me. It's it's not a racism thing, but they are entirely looking at him, whether it's talking about his sexual performance or his athletic yeah. performance. They're all looking at him in terms of saying, what can you do for me? Yeah, like how can I put, how can I take over your body and use it? Exactly, which yes. is one of those things that, like, when you see, let's even let's even say wealthy white uh, sports team owners and stuff like this. Yeah, exactly. Is yes. it that kind of what they're doing yes, too? Where they're that's like, exactly no, I'm what not, this I'm movie. not racist. I, I got black people on my team. Now, what can you do for me, black guy? This is about, uh, this is about the extreme rate of black imprisonment. Yeah. This is about the way that uh, uh, black actors and rappers 
are used for their talent but not paid for their ability this is yeah. about uh this is about black sports team or white sports team owners using black bodies as uh you know their way of becoming billionaires and hardly yep. paying them i've said this before don't get mad when an athlete makes a quarter billion dollars for a, a 10-year contract or whatever get mad that that quarter billion dollars is a fraction of the money being brought in by the billionaire who owns it oh yeah exactly i mean you that's that's somebody being paid for their fucking yes it's 20, paid hours for on their the field. talent being yeah, actually in destruction of their bodies and concussions and shit like this like, our universities on. uh are are funded by black athletes being harmed and not paid yeah it is is that not slavery that is fucking slavery it has been and will continue to be anybody out there is like well they're getting education fuck you i have an education i don't nobody's knocking on my door to give me a fucking job that's not how it works (laughs) no (laughs) it's not an education that gets you a job yeah these people are using the, oh god i just said these people my ross perot um i'm <laughs> saying sure black athletes are using everything they have within them their talent to try to rise above poverty yeah and they're going and working for free to make billions of dollars for others and we're saying they shouldn't be paid as athletes because they're getting an education in what right. sports science broadcasting (laughs) anybody who's a a football fan out there and disagrees with me knows that just cut because that's what every football player uh, majors in because it's a bullshit major right because they're not going to school to go to school they're going to school to make money for people yeah exactly right exactly right man the all these people get like you said they get rich and do well for themselves off of the work that they these black bodies that they employ yeah do and that's that's basically kind of the thing with this movie that i find is really interesting too is there is this there is this free admittance throughout the the entire movie about the genetic superiority of blacks over whites yes they say that over and over and over about how like oh your genetic makeup and stuff like that yeah it's exactly with with your physique and genetics and blah 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 you should be a natural blah 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 and 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 again that is kind of what i'm getting at too where yes there there is no white hoods and burning crosses in this movie but it's the way that white people can look at again the superior abilities of black people and stuff like they do in this movie mm-hmm. and fetishize it and be like i should take it yeah. i want it i mean <laughs> like that's fucked up <laughs> that's a different kind of racism let's just this could go easily racist real quick like because okay. we're white guys we don't know yeah what... dude uh, we're just two just fucking dumb crackers dude. yeah i mean we're we're talking about this because we want to further the cause but we know we might be saying things that are harmful or hurtful yeah we're just like we're completely outside of the equation here we have never been fucking discriminated for shit we want to help if we're hurting tell us um yeah but that that idea that black bodies are better at athletics like there's no scientific proof behind that here's what i'll tell you 
is growing up in abject poverty with no possibility of getting out other than uh, being able to sing, being able to rap, or being able to play some sport. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to see inordinate numbers of people excelling in those sports in those areas because they're the only areas they can excel in yeah that's your options dude yeah if those are the options hell yeah they're gonna come out and it's further proof that it's bullshit that people don't hire black candidates for other jobs because they're like oh well you know they're whatever stupid rationale they have yeah. that somehow uh black people are not as good at their jobs or whatever like it's just like well look at this like there, there's no actual genetic superiority here what you have is determination these are yeah. people who want to get out of the shit that we yeah. created for them and they work their ass off every single day to be that totally so you got you got you know uh white athletes who do that too great but they're there are more opportunities. There are other jobs for white people, so they don't all have to put their efforts all their eggs into in that, that basket. Yeah. yeah, it's and so it becomes it it becomes that slave state, just like prisons. Like you know, inordinately, black people are more likely to go to jail for the same crime as a white person and Absolutely. to receive a much longer sentence than a white person, etc. More likely to be pulled over more likely to be shot by the police etc but all of those things lead to the fact that prisons use prisoners as slave labor and yeah. you look at places like new orleans where you just have angola prison which is a it's a slave camp and you have prison wardens saying things like they don't want their good prisoners to get out because Jeez. they're good workers so we're just in this area where so many white people are still denying that there's a problem oh yeah absolutely so but we're also in an area where jordan peele created this horror movie that became the most uh the, the highest grossing movie by a black director uh beating out f gary gray's straight out of compton and the, the real like uplifting point about that is that two weeks later f gary gray beat him again with the fate of the furious so wow we're seeing more black directors we're seeing more black perspectives and we need it yeah absolutely so and, and again it's like the theme here that we see throughout the movie is that these white people aren't necessarily racist no. uh but they'll do stuff for black people as long as it will it benefit them. them. Yeah, yeah. And it's one of those things that, you know, again, the second time through the movie, you start noticing stuff. Like, even at the first of the movie, whenever whenever they get pulled over, right, and Rose is trying to, like, be like, oh, you know, uh -huh. say the police officer, you don't, you don't need to see his ID, yada, yada. Yeah. Like, at first you think, oh, he, he, she's standing up to this white cop. Nope. Because he might not take kindly to this black guy and stuff. She's and just go, trying oh, to, she's trying to cover her tracks. Yeah, she's trying yep. to not have a paper trail to yep. ever see Rose was last seen with this guy who's about to go missing. Yep. It's these ulterior motives that yep. just go deeper and deeper. Like, I mean, e even even going down to the level of, you know, whenever whenever Chris meets Rose's parents and it's revealed that he's a smoker, they're really concerned with him and want him to to quit smoking. And at first you're like, oh, that's cool. They're like looking out for his health. They're nope. hip. They're, they're trying you know. to save his body because it is a vessel for them. 
Exactly. The mm-hmm. only reason that they care yep. is because that body is going to benefit them. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's so fucked up. And, and again, that's a different side of racism exposed rather than just the obvious, go back to Africa, burning crosses, blur, just yeah. stupid overt side that we yeah. usually think of when we think of racism. This is a very different kind of, like you said, modern slavery in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's sad because the thing is that, like, I know that no matter what we say in this episode, we're still racist. Like, like, it's still there. There's still something yeah. in all of us that is is racist because we were trained in this racist mode. In this yeah. racist, we were, like, brought up an entirely racist patriarchal system. Yeah. And so we have to work at it. The beautiful thing and uh, you know what uh i'm gonna go back to harris whittles here harris whittles uh he had a, a tweet that was a little before he died where basically he said uh I, i'm tired of us every week having a new a new witch to burn uh yeah we we need to figure out that we're all trying to figure this this out we're all trying to figure life out we don't know everything they're the people out there that say they know everything and they're the ones we should ridicule but uh you know we shouldn't jump on uh a person because they make a statement that shows their ignorance mm-hmm. if they're willing to listen and change yeah so what i'm saying is we uh, the host of dead and lovely are willing to listen and change so if if you're listening uh and you're not white because i honestly i I don't need a white person to tell me something I said is racist. Like, in in fact, let's just say a more, there's a moratorium from now on where white people no longer determine, determine what is racist. (laughs) Like, just don't even like until a black person says like, that was racist. Don't, don't say anything unless it's a (laughs) private conversation between you and another white person. And that white person says something, you know, is overtly racist. And you can then say like, that was racist. Just yeah. don't publicly come out and say you're a racist because you're white and you you are a racist. We're all fucking racist. It's ingrained in us. Listen to minorities. Listen to women. Listen to anyone who is in a position to actually tell you what the problem is. Yeah, and, and yeah, let's just—it's just, it's just a different experience, dude. Yeah, I mean, just grow, growing up being fucking middle class white dudes, it's like we yeah. only know our perspective. That's all yeah. that we know. That's all we know, and that's all we can get. And by the way, we're southern middle class, which means poor. Yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. But it's so cool that we have we have stuff like this here to to educate us and show us all these different perspectives and stuff that we otherwise would not have known about or ever been exposed yeah. to. And it's cool too, again, through the prism of a horror movie. Like that's just yeah. not something that you expect to see too. It's cool to see these kind of issues being tackled in, you know, my most adored movie genre, which is horror. Now I'll tell you too, man, one of the things that I like about this flick that I think is done so well, man, is you know, everybody always just fucking really really jerks it off super, super hard and just slow yeah. strokes it about Stanley Kubrick's use of symbolism and how, yeah. oh man, he used, he put this specific type of button on this guy's coat because such and such. It's like everything's <laughs> so deliberate. And don't get yeah. me wrong, I fucking love Stanley yeah, Kubrick. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick's amazing. But 
the level of detail and attention yeah. put into some of the symbolism it's in this so movie. amazing yeah holy fuck it is so everything is deliberate everything's on purpose let me talk let me talk about something that i i don't know how deliberate it is but i i believe mm. it has to be it has to be i would just love to hear what jordan peele would say i haven't heard anyone ask him this question but they shot the film in Fairhope, Alabama. Okay. Now, Fairhope, Alabama began as a Georgist single tax community. What does that mean, Stephen? Well, a Georgist single tax community is basically free from all forms of private monopoly, meaning you can own land, but you don't own the water or minerals or anything on that land. Those belong to the community. Okay. Um, to, the idea is to secure for the members, uh, equality. Okay. And everyone receives the benefit of every individual's effort. That was how this, this city was founded. It sounds like communism. Sounds that way. Since that town was founded, it has transitioned from a utopian experiment to an artistic intellectual community then to a boutique resort, then to an affluent suburb. <laughs> Going through some awkward phases in there. Yeah, so it, it, it still has the same basic premise where this, uh, basically these people all came together and formed a corporation, bought a whole bunch of land, and then they paid rent to the corporation, that rent being the... Uh, equivalent of the property tax that they owed to the state that is still going but it's been appropriated by rich white people and here's kind of a point that uh we we need to see further with get out is that poor white people have also been appropriated by rich white people <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> people trying to make something out of nothing have been appropriated by rich white people. The villain in all of this, rich white people. We don't like you. Yeah. You're not good for nobody. Yeah. So, uh, but that, the fact that they even shot in Fairhope where there is this already, this uh, uh, sense of appropriation it seemed to me to be a deliberate choice. And also Fairhope is 91% white. <laughs> Wow, man. A lot of the symbolism and stuff in this flick starts even really early on with them hitting the the deer. There's a lot of deer stuff in this yeah. movie. He runs over the deer. He uh, Later when he wakes up in the chair, when he's having the experiment performed on him, he is you know confronted with this deer head. And then yeah. later he kills that dude with the deer head too. Yeah. And that's even that's even significant in a lot of ways because like apparently back in the slave trading days like a, a healthy male black slave was often referred to as a buck yeah yeah that's yeah that's very and, true and that's a theme throughout the entire movie but then you've also got so much other stuff going on too like the thing that Rose's mom uses to to hypnotize him and put him into the uh, the sunken place is a silver spoon the perfect uh -huh. symbol of being affluent? The fucking silver spoon. And again, it's one of those things that, like, I didn't think about the first time that I saw the flick, but it's like, that's exactly what she's doing. She's putting him into this marginalized place where his voice can't be heard uh -huh. with 
her affluent, you know, white person nature. Um, Allison Williams at one point is eating s- cereal it with the milk in one cup and the cereal in a, a separate. Yeah, Fruit Loops, a very colorful cereal. Uh-huh. It's a separation of the white and the colors. There's a lot of play yeah. with white and black in this movie, too. Where oh, like yeah. When the party starts, all of the guests arrive in black cars, uh-huh. which is very symbolic of the black bodies that they also exactly. hope to be leaving in, uh-huh. too. <laughs> yeah, and uh, at one point a guy said, black is in, and yeah. it's like, wait, what? <laughs> like, okay, that's... Ugh. Earlier, Rose's dad says that they can't go in the basement because there is black mold, which... Yeah, could be significant for the black molds that they are exactly. putting their own, you know, consciousnesses into and stuff like that. Yeah, like every single bit of it just seems to scream what's happening, uh, it, and that's why I think a second viewing is necessary. Really, I agree. Actually, even further, <laughs> this is funny. Daniel Kaluuya said on uh, an interview with Stephen Colbert, he said that. Um, I've watched Get Out three times is the new I would have voted for Obama for a third term. Yeah. <laughs> That's how not racist I am. Yeah, it's the new awkward way to signal to a black person you're not racist. Because that is, I mean, uh, that is exactly what goes through the mind of white people when we're talking to a black person. Like, how do I let them know I'm not racist? Yeah. And yeah, tell him how many times I've seen Get Out. Yeah, maybe I'll tell him how much I loved Obama. Maybe I'll tell him how many times I've seen Get Out. And that's that's a lot of what plays throughout this movie is the awkwardness. Like the awkwardness of of dealing with his race because they don't have to. Like they don't when everybody have keeps to making it. it a topic. Yeah, like they don't everybody have to keep it up. bringing it up, but they do. They keep yeah. bringing it up. And they talk about how it's so cool basically. Like and they're making it this huge thing. Yeah. And then for him it is a huge thing on on another level where he's constantly creeped out by what's going on and he should be. Yeah. So like yeah, like they're putting race to the forefront and it, it, it's exactly like <laughs> the entire time Obama was president, uh, people were like, you know, we've never been more racially divided. And the, the reason was, oh, well, there's a prominent, successful black man that you're all reacting negatively to. Yeah. Like <laughs> the reason that it's racially divided is because you're racist and very upset about this. <laughs> can't handle it. Yeah. I love too. Apparently Peel said that he had invented this this storyline about the um the Armitage family that they were descendants of this order that even went back to like the Knights Templar and stuff, yeah. which explains why the son wears that knight helmet whenever he goes out and kidnaps the people and yeah. the Knights Templar like one of their primary goals was apparently the search for like the fountain of youth and everlasting life. And it's interesting that that's, I guess, the conclusion that they came to is this coagula process, which allows uh-huh. them to inject their consciousness into into new bodies and stuff. And that's something, too, that's handled. And you see that it apparently works because the two, like the groundskeeper guy and then the... And the maid. Yeah, the maid that they keep Georgina around. Georgina and Walter, yeah. 
Yeah, dude. Like that's that's the grandparents. That's the grandparents the family. still doing the things that they love to do. Yeah, like the running and and all yeah, that cause stuff. The the grandfather lost to Jesse Owens at the Olympics, which uh, the the dad was very proud of. Yeah, yeah. And George, the the grandmother, <laughs> the Georgina scenes are very effective. The scene yeah, where uh, he's confronting her about unplugging his phone. Yeah. And uh, he he says something about, you know, how hard hard it is to be black or whatever. And, and like the it's like the grandmother's having to fight back the the person who actually inhabits the body. Like yeah, she starts see, that's, crying. And that's it's, something that got me this time, too, is like you remember there's that part where. Shit, I'm trying to remember how it is that that it comes up in the movie. I think he says something about like sometimes uh, black ladies don't like it whenever black oh, yeah, dudes yeah, yeah. date white uh-huh. chicks, mm-hmm. and it's like no, it's it's the reverse. It's because that's that's an old racist white lady uh-huh. trapped in this black body. She's probably fucking racist and hates being in this black body and hates seeing her white granddaughter yeah. loving on this black dude. Like that's fucked up, and I didn't notice it the first time. Yeah, the the grandparents. Um we're being saved that's that's basically what the dad says is that like yeah he he preserved them they they weren't going into black bodies because they wanted the coolness or whatever they wanted couldn't bear to let him go or something keep him around he says yeah yeah or even at a, at a point uh in in the party when that uh uh one guest asked <laughs> um what's his name chris uh, ask him if he thinks it's an advantage or a disadvantage to be african-american and it's like wait is do you seriously just ask that question like like the the grandparents they don't seem to love being in these black bodies they seem to no. be upset about it the other people think it's cool and maybe even would be advantageous in our current climate to be black yeah what how would that be advantageous <laughs> yeah. like how would that be good for you right unless right. unless you had an entire community of white people who knew you were a white person inside and treated you like they do. Um, uh, what's his name? The 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 black guy who got kidnapped at the beginning. Oh yeah, what is his name? I don't remember what IMD. they. I don't remember what they call him. Like he he's just accepted in the community and they're showing him off. Like that that is one of the things you see in the party is that how they're showing off his new body. Yeah, like <laughs> it's a Log- Logan. That's what they call him. His Logan. original name's Andre. Andre, yeah, Dre. Um, yeah, his name is Logan. He, they're showing off his new body. Yeah, and and so the idea is so I guess, creepy, dude. It's Ugh. extremely creepy. But like, what happens eventually? This is these all these rich white people become black people and become rich black people, which on a, a police scale means like a lower middle class white person yeah like a rich black person is somebody that you have to uh accidentally shoot in the back so that nobody sees it like right i gotta be discreet at least yeah yeah like a poor black person you can just shoot out in public but a rich black person you have to pretend like there was some reason for it i guess yeah there's a threat or something yeah so what what is the end goal they all become rich black people and then what happens then like is like, how does this coagula effect expand out? Benefit them? Yeah. And, and again, I think that's just because of this this fetishization and this perceived notion 
that that oh man they're such better athletes and their bodies yeah. are so superior and they're better you know they're better sexually and blah 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 it's the the fetishization of black culture I yeah think. yeah and that that's what i'm saying is that there there's a folly there like they they right. haven't thought it the entire way through right we, definitely so we also have to talk about how this is a sequel to being john malkovich <laughs> which is an awesome theory it is an amazing theory and jordan peele basically confirmed it he said that you know he he hadn't worked with spike jones on it or anything but he considered it a sequel to being john malkovich which it has connections already with Catherine keener being in the movie totally. and you know that the idea of uh a bun- uh another soul inhabiting a body etc right which is awesome. I think that's so fun that to, to yeah. think of those movies being connected to each other. I love too, man, the the hypnotism scene, right? Oh like my whenever God. it shows him entering the second place. What a really effective way to convey what he's going through. And, uh, that that I've told you before, I uh suffer from sleep paralysis. I haven't actually totally. experienced it in about 6 months. Knock on wood. Yeah, knock on wood. Probably happen tonight. Um haven't experienced it in about six months but that's what it feels like actually it's 100 percent what it feels like and totally. it, it makes me so uncomfortable to watch that scene and it's perfect like i love it it's like he's floating through water but he's not like drowning yeah. but it's just like he's drifting and he's looking up through like that yeah. little tv screen yeah there's like some perception off in the distance but you can't control it yeah it's the worst like it also sort of reminded me that um I, I just want to make it vocal and public again, just in case I am ever in a situation where I am in, uh, I don't know, uh, basically brain dead, and it becomes a huge public situation as to whether or not to take me off life support. Take me off life support. I don't want to live yeah, like same. that. I don't want to live like that, I'm gonna, ever. I'm going to double you up on that one, man. Same yeah. Same here. Yep, pass. Because yeah. that, that's just a horrifying notion to see that he is... He is conscious and present and can just basically look up through the window of his eyes through this little tiny window up at the top after he's drifted down and he's silent and oh man, it it would just be hell on, on earth, dude. Yeah, and they talk about it like they're 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 doing them a favor. Like yeah. they talk about it like they're doing the actual inhabitants of this body a favor by allowing mm. them to get a little bit of, of what's going on, which is, by the way very much how record companies used to treat and still do treat black artists yeah uh where it's like you know we're doing you a favor by allowing you to have this couple million dollars when they're making hundreds of millions (laughs) like totally dude totally so i also think too there's some good use of humor in this movie too that keeps it from being just completely you know brutal racist nihilism the entire flick but I really like the use of humor through his buddy, the uh, the TSA agent. Rel, Lil Rel, yeah. Yeah, dude, he's fucking hilarious. There's so much good stuff, and he's kind of got all these wild theories about either using him as like a sex slave and and all this kind of shit. But he yeah, takes no, his yeah, but TSA all of his pos- theories are right. yeah, and he takes his like TSA position like so seriously about like yo, I'm fucking TSA. It's shit like this. Rod, he he, the entire time is correct. Everything he says is right, but he also the entire time he's pretty much the savior. He's the hero of the movie. He is totally like I mean, not to say that uh, that Chris is a villain. He's absolutely the protagonist of the movie, 
but there's no way he can be a hero in the situation he's in. He has to kill an entire family of people to escape. Like, I guess that's heroic in that he killed an entire family of racists, but like... Well, here's the interesting thing about this too, dude. This is like... I think the only horror movie that I can think of actually where literally all of this all of the kills are by the hero. Yes, every single all kill. And that's the exact point of it is that death isn't the scary thing. Yeah. Having your body possessed or having your body controlled is the scary thing. Can you imagine like uh, can you imagine being a slave? No, fuck no. Jesus. I would, like, I've thought about it so many times, like, how many different ways I would find to kill myself. Right, yeah. There's 100% no way that I would let it happen. But that's exactly the point with this movie, is that he he is seeing stuff happening, and but it's like regular, for him, it's like regular awkwardness with white people. Right. But then, like, he gets to the point where he's like, okay, no, 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 this is beyond that awkwardness, and that's the point where the family takes control of him, and it's like, he had, it seems almost like there is no escape from that, and that is hell, that's my literal hell, being enslaved and having no way to get out, Uh, no way to just kill myself and not exist anymore. No doubt, man. I'll tell you too, man. You were talking earlier about how how everybody everybody is inherently a little bit racist in yeah. one way or, or another. And yeah, I think well, we, that we learned it, yeah. One of the ways that this movie I think really confronts that head on, because I think that you could be the most staunch, yeah, racism is dead. We have a black president, everything's fair now, everything's level, blah blah blah. But this movie, dude, the part in this movie that's the scariest part of the whole movie, the the part where my stomach dropped, you know, the most, uh-huh. uh, and the part where I think that nobody could then continue saying, yeah, racism isn't a thing, is that part at the end of the movie, whenever he has, you know, he he's had to kill Walter, yeah, he has he has almost killed Rose, uh huh, and he's in there in this he's in there on the street and he's covered in blood and he has a gun. And then you see the fucking red and blue yep. lights come on. That's it. That's the moment where you're like, oh, fuck, he's going to get killed. Exactly. Because you know that's going to happen. That's the thing. Yeah. is like whenever you see those red and blue lights and you see the scene, it's like, oh, he's going to get shot. Like, you can't tell me that nobody, that anybody didn't think that. Everybody yeah. thought that when you see that scene. And if it had been a white character, you wouldn't think that. You'd be like, oh, he's going to jail. But with a, it's a black character, and you're like, oh, he's getting killed. Yeah, exactly. It's like, dude, and if it was a white dude, you'd have been like, oh, the heroes have arrived to clean up the scene and save the yeah, day. And to say, yeah, exactly. And then there'd be a yeah. scene where he's he's got a blanket wrapped around him, and he's drinking coffee with him. And exactly. They're all like, Way to be a savior, guy. You're exactly. the best. White men, don't worry. The world loves you. <laughs> but if you can get to that scene and not go, oh, he's about to get shot, then you live in a different world than you I do. You really do. You really do. And the thing is, by the way, um, Jordan Peele's original ending was that he was just going to get arrested. Way darker. <laughs> Which is dark. It's dark as shit. Because think about that. Like, getting killed in that moment is like, that's uh, in reality the worst that could happen, it seems. But when you think about the actual state of our prisons, I'd rather get killed. No doubt, man. I would rather be dead than have to go to prison. It's, again, it's fucking slavery. It is institutionalized slavery. 
it is torture and we need to reform our prisons but oh yeah fuck yeah i i think that yeah you're right that is the scariest moment in the film the scariest yeah. the scariest thing that happens is the cops showing up and that is yeah, sad seriously yeah that says a whole fucking <laughs> jesus christ when you sum it up that way that really yeah god damn that just yeah. really says it all doesn't the well, scariest part is when the cops just a show real up. quick Fuck. reminder the supreme court has ruled that cops have no duty to protect your life oh that's great so yeah so you know if cops start shooting into a crowd of people because they see a criminal and they kill a bunch of people they have no duty to have protected those people off the hook yeah yay cops tight mm-hmm. tight dude does that uh, now does that go for teachers too or is that different um no teachers can shoot whoever they want as long as they have a gun and the nra and rock flag and eagle and uh, thoughts okay. and prayers thoughts and prayers ah, you know what gotcha. ben um i really wish because here here's a good indication of because uh, our our uh our journalists our media do need to be lauded and praised they're good they're great and they there are people out there who are really making a difference but in general our media is homogenized and shit and mm-hmm, yeah here's a good indication of how homogenized and shit our media is that no one has ever asked a single uh person who said thoughts and prayers after a school shooting what are your thoughts on guns in yeah. schools <laughs> and what do you feel when you pray about this yeah yeah let's follow up have you got a journalist i know they're journalists listening for sure have you thought of following up on thoughts and prayers yeah larry king what are your thoughts what do you pray when you pray what do you pray about what is it you say what do you say to your lord and creator the person that you hold in highest esteem what is it you say to them about school shooting I'd like to know. Inquiring minds want to know, Steve. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, anyway. Well, you know, one thing about this movie that I'll say, too, is that a lot of people... A lot of people really got on board for praising this movie's uh, originality, which... I can only yeah. kind of agree with because well, it's I... It's original in, it, in the way that it presents it, but you're, you're it right. Is. Yeah. If you watch this movie, it's very clearly influenced by the... You know the 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 zombie utopian nature of something like the sure. Stepford Wives. Stepford Wives, exactly. Yeah, it's also really hugely influenced by this person winding up in this crazy occult situation that they had no idea that even existed, like Rosemary's Baby. Exactly. That's definitely a huge influence on this movie too. And and I'm sure too though that like Jordan Peele would probably say the exact same shit he'd be like no he's like no i took ideas from this and this and this i'm sure that he would no yeah he has in fact he he's 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 actually made it clear what he thinks uh his influences are and he's Mm. on on point uh stepford wives is one um Mm. the people under the stairs the burbs oh i love the burbs so much dude yeah he he's talked about these things and like uh, that's the genius of a good horror director. A good horror director doesn't say, I'm going to introduce a completely original, horrific idea, because there aren't. There aren't yeah, original, sure. horrific ideas. We we are scared of the same things and always have been. Mm-hmm. Like, we always will be. The beauty of horror is its primal nature, 
And so sure, it's universal. Jordan Peele saying, like, yeah, these are absolutely my inspirations on this. He doesn't undercut the originality and creativity of, of what he did with this. It is definitely inspired and easily, uh, I guess... Somewhat derivative, maybe you could yes, say? Yes, yeah, it's easy to say it's somewhat derivative, but... Like, it sounds so negative, yeah. It, it is, yeah, it's exactly. Like, saying derivative is negative. Like, he, he's influenced by Night of the Living Dead. He's influenced by The Shining. Like, but who isn't? Yeah, <laughs> like, really, right? Who, yeah. Who isn't influenced by those things? So, uh, the more specific influences here, like the Burbs and and uh, People Under the Stairs, or, or may, even guess, uh, guess Who's Coming to Dinner. Like, Absolutely, there, yeah. There's the dinner scene that I would say is reminiscent almost of the texas chainsaw massacre scene but with with words instead of laughs like no doubt <laughs> it still is chaotic and crazy it still is insane where it's just like wait what are you saying now um yeah and, and also uh i i listened to an interview where allison williams was talking about uh jordan peele directing that scene and how they were having trouble like really getting the intensity of it but like you know remaining loose because it's supposed to be awkward not intense right and so he directed the scenes as obama oh sick i love his obama yeah he's he was directing the scenes as obama and then uh they they started like dying off again where they were kind of losing the awkwardness so he started directing the scenes as tracy morgan holy shit awesome yeah so like you you get that in the scene where it's it's still light and playful, but it is demented. When you know what's yeah. happening, you go back and look at it. It's like, oh, everything they're saying is like leading up to what's gonna happen, and it's real, uh, just sickening almost. Like <laughs> to know what what they're planning and know yep. that they're the, to them this is just a good old time around the dining room table where they bring in. Uh, a, a, a black person and, and steal them like steal their body yeah wow yeah cinematography soundtrack everything everything checks out with me man it's like I wouldn't say that there's anything you know unbelievable about the soundtrack but all the soundtrack cues and stuff are good that um, childish Gambino Redbone is is perfect in the beginning like it really sets the oh it, yeah that's right yeah, that is him it really sets the tone the the Swahili song that plays sort of as the light motif the throughout just sort of the theme uh mm -hmm. I think that plays cool. well but like yeah you're right like the sound the soundtrack doesn't stick out beyond the opening and then just sort of every once in a while you hear that that Swahili song but honestly I think if it was any bigger it would just distract from exactly. what's going yeah, on because there's too there 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 are too many important things going on on screen to distract with a, a, a vibrant soundtrack yeah totally man and same with the cinematography it's like the the cool cinematography obviously is is like i said the falling into the sunken place oh yeah bit the rest of it is all i would say fairly straightforward it's a good looking movie mm -hmm. but again it's like dude i don't need fucking crazy dario argento shots in this movie i don't i don't no. it wouldn't benefit it wouldn't make it better if there was a you know, if there was all kinds of crazy, weird camera angles and shit, it wouldn't make it better, so I'm fine with it. Yeah, if this was Dario Argento's Get Out, it would it would have a decidedly different tone. <laughs> I want to see that, and it would have Goblin on the soundtrack. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. 
Oh man, I'd be so I'd be so up for that. Yeah, that would be, I would love it if Dario Argento did a Get Out remake this year. <laughs> that would, that seems like something he might do. Well, Steve, you got any any other final thoughts and uh, a final score on this flick right here? Uh, final thoughts. Jordan Peele's great. I I really am excited to see future stuff he does. I I'm. I hope he continues to break genres and break walls yeah. the way the way he did with this. Um, I think Daniel Kaluuya is the perfect casting for this. Mm-hmm. He does such a good job, man. Allison Williams is on the same level, perfect. Like it, it, I know she's amazing, under, dude. She's so good in this, and to understand how perfect her casting is, you have to know that she grew up in New Canaan, Connecticut. Uh, it's like the whitest place ever. Like the <laughs> whitest place you can grow up in. She went to to private school in Connecticut. Went to Yale. Was in Jeez. a secret society in Yale. Holy shit! She she is the perfect. And that's the thing, though. I'm not saying that Allison William was cast to be this white girl. Um, like, uh, what would you say stereotype? Yeah, yeah. She she was cast because she's amazing. Allison Williams yeah. is great. I love her and everything she does. I love that scene later on in the flick where she's on the phone trying to fake, yeah, being like scared and so on, but her face is straight. Yes, it's awesome. Is, that we've talked about that I think in another episode. It's hard to fake faking. Like, yeah, and totally, she does yeah. it so good, and she's great in this, and she is a an amazing villain. And there are people out there who have the theory that like. Oh, she's just caught up in this, and she's not really that bad. She's been hypnotized, too, and yeah, shit. Yeah. And I'm like, no, I don't really uh, don't think so. Well, and Allison Williams actually said in an interview, no, she's a villain. Like, I played it Sweet. as a villain. I didn't play it as somebody who's hypnotized. I played it as a villain. She is a villain, and she's a great villain because it is, it is just so hard to look at her and think she's a villain because she's so gorgeous. I know, right? <laughs> she's such a pretty woman. Um. Yeah. So she, she plays it so great. I I love Bradley. Uh, what's his name? Bradley Whitford. Whitford. Yeah. yeah. Bradley Whitford. Love him and everything. He always plays great. But he's especially good with his like my mans and stuff. Where oh man, so awkward. Like I lame. I know I say those awkward things. I know I do it. And like totally. he he makes it so real. Like it, it's yeah. perfect. Like he I'm plays like yeah. That. I'm on your team. I'm hip. I'm cool. Yeah. Uh huh. And also, like, goddamn, Caleb Landry Jones, who plays uh, the brother. Yeah. If Caleb Landry Jones is in something, check it out. Like, seriously, the dude's been in No Country for Old Men, The Social Network, uh, Friday Night Lights, Breaking Bad, Twin Peaks. Uh, he was in X-Men First Class. He played Banshee. Two horror movies is he's in, I suggest. Oh fuck, he was Banshee. Mm-hmm. Holy shit, that just hit me. Fuck. He's in awesome. two great horror movies. He's in Byzantium, which is awesome. Has mm-hmm. Jim Arterton yeah. madly in love with her. And mm-hmm. The Last Exorcism, which is one of those oh, movies yeah. that I thought was gonna be shit, and then it was just like absolutely impressed by, and he is yeah, so same. good in it. Totally same. Um, yeah, he was in that, right? Yeah, this movie. Oh, Stephen Root as well. Stephen Root is always good. Oh yeah, yeah. dude. Fuck yeah. Second time he's been a blind guy. He's blind in no country. Or, uh, <laughs> yeah. Fucking, uh, uh, um, oh, brother, brother Arkdale. Yeah. <laughs> they came in here, sang into the yonder cannon, skedaddled. 
Them soccer bottom boys. <laughs> so, this the cast is amazing. Jordan Peele's script is obviously amazing. The directing is great. Uh, Lil Rail as Rod is amazing. Like, he's so funny. The only other person I could imagine playing that role is Hannibal Burris. <laughs> totally. Absolutely. But it would have been more low-key, and you needed somebody who was more, like, uh, proactive. And Lil totally. Rel, yeah, Lil, Lil Rel did it perfectly. <laughs> like, I've watched it so many times, it's hard for me to pick out any real problems with it. No. The pacing is great. Like, there's the pacing, never really yeah. a dull spot. It's all fucking great. Yeah. I just, I don't know what negative to say about it. And it makes me feel like, you know, uh, am I am I really looking at this critically? Because if, if this is if this is a another ten movie for Steven, it's it seems ridiculous. But this is a perfect horror movie. Like, yeah. there's really no problem with it. And no. it does it doesn't have the gore effects that I I love about most horror movies. It doesn't have you know uh uh this huge cast of uh characters that we hope live in fact there's only one person we hope lives in this and he does so it totally. has it has like this real positive ending which seems like a negative for a horror movie but i i love this movie i think it, it, I, you know maybe in 20 years i'll look back and be like oh there were problems with it but right now a year into this movie existing, I think it's a ten. Right on, man. I, I agree with you. Everything you said. I mean, all the, all the cast, all the direction, the script, the flow, everything. You really can't find much anything to pick apart about it. It really is a fucking great movie. And again, especially this is his first foray into the Jesus, genre. Yeah. After also having like fucking mastered comedy, Key and Peel shit is fucking hilarious. Yeah. And it doesn't surprise me to see that a good comedy director can do something like this because I, I do think that in order to to make good comedy, you have to have an extremely deep understanding of the human condition. And once you have that, things like drama and fear are actually pretty easy elements to exploit and work in humans. Like making a human laugh is the hardest thing, actually. Yeah. It really is. Making someone scared is pretty easy. Yeah, totally. Making somebody cry is also pretty yeah, easy, too. Yeah, making someone laugh, uh, you know, it, it, it's very difficult. Yeah, not discrediting his work in this or anything like that, no. but I'm just saying I'm not surprised that he t it turned out as good as it did, considering how great he is with comedy. I, I would say, you know, again, I'm with you. There's basically nothing to complain about. I think the only thing I would not give it a 10 for is... Just because it's it's not my favorite subject matter in horror flicks, and I like to see some blood uh, and spatter and shit, and you know, yeah, I like I, I like fucking I love slasher flicks and stuff like that. So yeah, I, like I think the only thing I could I get that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like I think that's the only reason I wouldn't give this a ten is just for me personally with what I'm into in horror flicks. But it's a fucking nine and a half. Yeah, it's 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 oh, really yeah. goddamn awesome. Everybody should watch it, and everybody should watch it with the mindset of looking at how this is a different take on racism. Again, this isn't the burn the cross, fucking white hood kind of racism. This yeah. is a very different kind of racism. It's the that more looks insidious nice racism. It is. It's yeah. the this looks on nice on the inside because I'm inviting you into my house, but ultimately it's just so that you can do something for me. Yeah. 
And uh, it's really, really wonderful for that. So I can't recommend it enough. Now, Steve, we've been on kind of a roll of watching some really great flicks here on the show recently. And I'm so stoked to try and get away from that next week on the show. What are we going to be watching? Good movies. Um, you know what? Next week we're gonna watch Urban Legend, and I know that. Uh, oh, well, I I didn't really know this, but next week is our next month is apparently Women's Month, uh, and that should be more vocally talked about. I yeah. I would of course love to do more uh, movies directed by women. Here's the problem we actually had: is uh, Ben suggested we do a, a bad movie. Uh, yep, I want to tear one up. I. I looked for movies directed by women that are bad, and I found some, for sure. The problem, just like we had with wanting to do Candyman and wanting to do Attack the Block, etc., it's not streaming anywhere. Yeah, fuck. Um, so we'll, we'll pick it up, I think, the week after. Also, I just don't have a lot of time to research because my wife and I are packing and moving, so yeah. I'd rather do a movie I don't have to pay any sort of attention to because we're going to be doing it uh like maybe the day i get there the day after i get there so um we will pick up with uh female directors we'll definitely try to talk about strong female characters i think we always do that Um, yeah i think so so anyway my apologies and and we will definitely try to do more with uh female directors because we gosh we really have not done them and i'm excited to do a shitty movie though you know what? Uh, yeah, I'm absolutely happy to do a shitty movie because um, it's real fun to make fun of bad people and their movies. I'm wondering, though, if this is going to be kind of like... Because uh, I've never seen Urban Legend. I've never seen this movie before. I hope you love it. What if you do... What if you're like nine for sure? I mean, because that's the thing is like, I didn't hate Final Destination because I was like, uh, this reminds me of being a teenager. This is fun. I was like, yeah, the movie's garbage, but it reminds me of being a teenager. So I like it. Right, maybe you'll love this one. Um, I... I don't remember the last time I saw it. Actually, I do. I watched it. I watched it when we watched Final Destination. It was one of the oh, many Oh, shit. You 90s did. You watched all those 90s ones. Yeah. <laughs> well, be sure to stay tuned for that coming up next week. Steve, where, where can they find us on social media in the meantime? Uh, you can always email us at deadandlovelypod at gmail.com, or you can find us on Instagram or Twitter at deadlovelypod. We also have a Facebook group. Wonderful. You guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ben Eller Guitars. Steve, where can they find you? Uh, at Steven Spratling. That's Steven with a V. The entire way to spell it. If anyone spells it differently, they're spelling a different word. Oh, hell yeah. Well, Steve, I'm looking forward to, to holding you near and inhaling your musk on the show whenever you're <laughs> here in, in Tennessee there next time for a, a Dead and Lively, which will be our new regular format. Dead You'll get to and hear Lively. Us just, getting slippery wet drunk and talking about this bullshit in the same room next time in smell vision <laughs> please be sure to go on iTunes rate and review our show helps us out a ton and thank you guys again so much for listening to our show we absolutely love doing this for you guys so you guys have been great we have been dead and lovely goodbye now bye